Jump Map. Hey guys. It's just a fight. Hey, what's going on guys? Here at the Swamp, getting ready to beat LSU. Y'all tune in to the Rule Number One podcast on Monday. Yeah, welcome back in episode 39, man, partner. We're rolling, rocking, rolling. Put them in, put them out. We got a cool one today. Mr. Justin Lyle is with us. Yeah, we're super excited. Justin is a tech make. Say it again. Industrial maintenance technician. It's a mouthful. I mean, you can just say maintenance tech. Maintenance tech. Yeah. All right. We'll just go with that one. So we go. What, what, what does that kind of entail? Give us a little brief background, and then we'll get into your number one role. So basically, um, you know, your job as a maintenance tech is if something's broke, you're the guy to go to to fix it. And it doesn't matter what it is. So in my job, it's, you know, carpentry, welding, electrical work, plumbing, you name it. And it's, it's a trade that I do. So, so you're kind of like the, the, uh, handy Mandy cartoon. Yeah. So you can do just yeah, about I, anything. I walk around with a tool belt and all that so <laughs> ready, ready for something to break. So being in that industry, um, what would you say your number one rule is to live by? Um, as far as the industry, I, I mean, there's, there's a lot of rules I could probably go with, but I mean, as far as overall, um, uh, you know, for me, it's family. And so, I mean, whether it be at work. And so when I say family, I don't mean like people you're you know, blood related to necessarily. Mm-hmm. So like, like, you know, the people I'm, I'm with, like the group that we have and all that, um, you know, you, that's family to me, right. not blood, but keep them. And then at work, I mean, you gotta have a bond with these guys. Um, you know, you gotta keep them close because, you know, depending on what job you're doing or anything like that, that's that guy's looking out for you. He's looking, watching your back. So, yeah, definitely. Especially with the uh, in the workforce, whenever you're working on like big equipment, I know personally, like you got to rely on people because there's a lot of dangerous stuff whenever you're working on big pieces of equipment or if you're, you know, welding or whatever. It's very easy to get hurt in some of these situations. Um, and so having somebody's back for sure is is a big thing. Not necessarily in like in the sense of like the military, but in terms of hey, did you make you know that jack stand? You got it in the right place because oh, yeah. I'm about to go underneath this piece of equipment and make sure i don't get crushed there's a a lot of trust involved so you you, want to hope that you're putting your trust in the right guy definitely i think i think this is gonna be a good one for y'all too both of y'all are blue collar boys yeah yeah, as you said it you know justin came up to us last week because we're hanging out like you mentioned we we're in a group of friends and he comes up to me and nate's like guys you have to do a blue collar tour. You have to have some guys that are the backbone of america that keep this thing rolling and i looked at him i was like that's a great idea. And I was like, do you want to be a part of the blue collar tour? He was like, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I was enthusiastic. I like, I, I wanted to be your, your first guy. So. I've ne- we've never had like a blue collar worker before on here. And I think it's kind of weird. It's taken us 39 episodes to have somebody in that kind of work field. Yeah. Especially because of like where we're from. I think we kind of overlook it because yeah. you know, a lot of the guys where we're from are in this blue collar field. They, you know, they get out of high school, they go to trade school or they, you know, go right into some kind of apprenticeship. Um, what kind of route did you take? Did you go straight into trade school or did you get a job somewhere? I, so the, the company I'm still with, um, I was working for them and I said, you know, I, I, I can go on working with them and be just fine, but I want to have something under my belt after, you know, I get done with high school. So I went to Tulsa welding school in Jacksonville and it's a seven-month program, and so by the time you get done with that seven-month program, you're out in the field, and, like, you're ready to go. What did you do with the program? So, basically, you five hours a day, you were trapped in a booth 
with metal <laughs> and a welding machine, and you were just running bead after bead after bead of weld. That's and it. So, yeah, just going different, different positions, different you know pipe, uh, plate, all that, um, different welding processes. By the time you come out, you you basically have a handle on every single thing there is, like in the welding field. So there's just this school up there that just has all this scrap metal laying around for yeah, you just to yeah. weld. Yeah, the, the recycling must be insane up there. <laughs> but the, the amount of steel that we were going through on a daily basis, there's like 200 guys in a class, something like that, um, and you had three shifts. So 200 guys in the morning, 200 guys in the afternoon, and then 200 guys at night. Really? Yeah, and I mean, as soon as one class graduates, you got a whole another class coming in. So, That's just boom, boom, making yeah. making the guy. Was there that many people when you were there? Two hundred? Yeah. Because you know you see the mainstream, you know, kind of vibe around blue collar jobs and trade jobs. People are not going into them nowadays because the fact that you can make so much money going into tech or going into you know stuff like that. Um, and there's a big problem, so to speak, that there's not people going into these trade skills. But if they're pumping out. 200 classes, three a day. It sounds like there's plenty of people interested in that. Well, I mean, you, you say that, but there, like there was guys that there's, there was guys from all over the U S so like Southeast and all that. Um, had a lot of guys from Kentucky and all that, but we had, we had a few guys that were like from Hardy and all that. And when they graduated with us, they didn't go into a welding career. Mm-hmm. They just, it was something that they did to do, I guess. But okay. I mean, it, it, it was a price. It's, it's you're paying decent money to go to school. You're paying about twenty grand, but by the time and for seven months, but yeah. by the time you get out, you know they provide you with all the tools you need to start um, on your own um, and and stuff like that. But some of these guys like let it go to waste. Yeah, twenty grand for seven months. That sounds like a private school, college, dude. Yeah, it's big time. I, I mean, and especially with these guys that go to the uh, trade school. Also, it's a tough life. Like yeah. the blue collar world, whether it's welding, whether it's you know electricians or however linemen. Um, a lot of people will get into the field and they won't make it. Like mm-hmm. they will get in these apprentice, uh, apprenticeships. I know linemen are big into that stuff. You have to have a certain amount of years of apprenticeships and you're or a groundsman and whatever. There's different levels. I don't know it, that much about it. Um, but they get in these fields and these are like rough around the edges guys. And basically they're trying to break you before, you know, you get to that big point. And so they're like, Hey, like you're the rookie. We're going to put you through basically hell and see how bad you actually want this. Because as soon as you get up on these bigger jobs, you got to be the guy and you got to have tough skin. You got to be yeah. able to, you know, Deal you got to be able to go. <laughs> Deal with stress. Yeah. And that's one thing I'll say. Um, I mean, if I had it to do all over again, I, I wouldn't have gone to a trade school. I would have done an apprenticeship. Um, because more you're getting paid to do an apprenticeship mm-hmm. and you're learning what you need to know from the guys that have been doing it for years. When you go to a school, those guys have been out of the field, they, like your teachers and all that. Yeah, they've been like out retired. of the field for years. And so things change. They don't know exactly what's still you know going on out there in the field. So I think an apprenticeship is ideally the best way to go if you're looking to get into a trade. Um, but, I mean, yeah. I think there's a school in Pennsylvania. Can you look that up? I think it's called the Apprenticeship School. It's like a uh, trade school, right? But they have collegiate sports. So, like, if you go there to the school, you're learning trades, you're learning welding, whatever you're wanting to go into, but you're also a college athlete. I think if there was more of those kinds of routes out there, a lot more of the, you know, people would get into that kind of thing. I think it would be offered more. 
I think it's called the apprenticeship school. Right. Yeah. I think that's a part. I think that's why it's the name. Like you said, you get paid for it. You're not technically getting paid, but you're getting a scholarship to be there and you're getting to play a sport. We had a friend uh, at Warner play there after he left. Uh, Anakin Rodriguez. Remember oh, him? really? Yeah, yeah, he went to the apprenticeship school. Hmm. I don't know what he studied, but dude, it's it's a cool little route. Do you know what uh, division they are? Like NAIA mm-hmm. or uh, E3 probably? The in. They play in the NAIA and they play like NCCAA or whatever. They, oh, okay. You know, Christian college or whatever stuff. But yeah, I think that's what it's called, the apprenticeship school. I've got a couple here. I don't see apprenticeship school specifically. Um, there's Northeastern Joint Apprenticeship, ABC Apprenticeship Training Center. She Those are more like the training centers like you were talking about, more like you did. But there is a school like that. I know I know for a fact there is one. But I think that would be a cool option for people. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, in terms of, like, the welding stuff, um, you know, there's MIG, TIG, and ARC welding. Um, you know, what what do you use mostly whenever you're working on stuff? Uh, so as far as my job, uh, it's mostly MIG. Um, every now and then stick, every now and then TIG. But... If you're doing any kind of like agricultural welding and stuff like that, it chances are it's either going to be stick or MIG. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just you can weld on dirty metal. Um, you know, you can get a stick welder in places you, you can't take a TIG welder and stuff like that. So um, for me, it's nine times out of ten I'm using a MIG welder. <laughs> yeah, in, uh, in college we had a class that was called uh, Ag Mechanics, and uh, we had um, stick welders or arc welders or whatever you want to call it. Um, basically, if for anybody that's seen, it's basically this probe that has a stick on it and strike, and then it just kind of melts around um, in terms of, like, there's others that have, like, it's kind of like a gun or whatever to kind of explain pe- to people that have no idea what we're talking about. Um, but uh, we practiced with some of the stick welders. And uh, I'd put a couple beads together. I am not a welder by any means, but I can make two pieces of metal stick together if I have to. Uh, I've done it on like gearboxes on mower decks. And if I'm just like tacking something down, I'm good. If I have to run a long bead or make sure it stays for a long time, I'm not your guy. <laughs> I think the only time I've ever welded was in high school. I saw this tweet the other day and said it. I couldn't relate more to it. It was like this industrial welder. He tweeted, he's like, my friends always say this line to me. He's like, yeah, I learned how to weld in high school for two years. And I was like, <laughs> if I, I do say that a lot because like if I needed to weld something together, I could give it my best shot from I mean, what I learned. Butter. Yeah. <laughs> from what like I, learned. Said, I mean, you could probably get it to stick together. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, that's and a lot of times that's all that matters. Yeah. That's all you're trying to do. It's like we the cleanest. Yeah. Well, especially in the ag world, because in agriculture, a lot of times like you just need it to be functional. You don't need to pass like regulation tests or yeah. whatever. Like, a, a lot of times it's, you know, you trying to get yourself out of a bind as quick as you can. Yeah. So as long as it sticks, I mean, you're good. Definitely. But I mean, it's it gets scary whenever, like, you know, uh, you're welding on semi trailers and stuff like that, and then that semi trailer ends up going down the road, and you're like, man, I really hope I was it's on, stuck. Yeah. Yeah. Like I really hope I, I, you know, I was in there and dotted my eyes and crossed my t's and all that. So what would you say like the most stressful job you've had to fix? Uh. And I mean, it was honestly one of the one of the cooler jobs I did at, at my job. Um, we had to pick up a tank from Texas, and I had to work off the blueprints from this tank. You, when you say tank, like a spraying it's a, it's tank? A, no, it's a it's a huge mixing tank. Um, but I had to. So these guys in Texas, they they made this tank, um, and then you know, we had to go pick it up. But before we picked it up, I had to. You know, take I beam, which is just steel that's in the shape of an eye, 
Um, it's very strong. And I had off these blueprints, I had to sit there and go, okay, this bolt hole goes here. I need to weld this like this. And when that tank pulled into our plant, I'm like, man, I, I hope everything <laughs> is like dead on. And everything was, it was perfect. So um, that was, that was stressful because I mean, if one like bolt hole or something like that didn't line up, it was, it would totally, you know, fuck it up. Yeah. It was, it was going to be a, a, a whole redo. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's definitely, I, I know whenever you're <clears throat> under that kind of pressure too, um, and having to make sure everything lines up, I know it's a pain in the butt because if you're, you know, a millimeter off and you can't get a bolt in there or whatever, it is a pain to go back and redo everything. Um, in terms of that, like from your day to day, are you basically just maintenancing everything? Do you build stuff? Do you do, you know, any side welding jobs or what? Um, so I, I maintenance everything, uh, trailers, our plant, um, even our in the field stuff, our in the field equipment. Um, and I mean, yeah, I mean, I build new things. Um, I, I fix things that have been around since, you know, the seventies and all that. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it could be, I, I work on stuff that's brand new and I work on stuff, you know, to me that's ancient, but, um, you say that, but that's only like 40 years ago. With that's it's not, equipment. It is. It still, is ancient. It's an antique. Yeah. Uh, the power grid in the United States was made in like 1940. We still use it today. Yeah, but it's made. There's only three of them. The thing is, whenever you've got like a 40-year-old piece of equipment, there's so much moving parts to it. And there's, especially when you deal with hydraulics, because there's so much pressure behind it. And if you blow something, it's just. I think it, the hardest part is finding parts nowadays for it. Like an older piece of equipment, like that. Yeah. Not the fact that it can't do the job. And that's that's where you know your fabrication skills come into, come into play. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say you make a lot of stuff. It's, for it's them. not going to look pretty, but as long as it works, you're good. Hey, so. Napa. Anytime you need something for whatever reason, Napa's got everything. Yeah. You one phone call away. Hey, I need this and this. Yep, yep, we got it. And I was like, fire it up. Let's go get it. Let's yeah. go get it. <laughs> whatever, whatever gets you running again. That's all that matters. Oh, it's a big time, especially in like, um, I know in the ag world, it's, if you have downtime, obviously you're not making money, you're losing money. And right. so like, for instance, if you're mowing a pasture, or, you know, laser level on a field or whatever, if your tractor goes down or a piece of equipment goes down, I mean, you're screwed. You got to like roll them out, especially if you're in like contracting stuff out or whatever. Um, you got to make sure your equipment's maintenance. And if you let that stuff go and your piece of equipment's down for one month, you easily lose a job too oh, yeah. you say you go to texas and all over the place and you went you went to jacksonville to train do you travel a lot with your job or are you normally just right here so was the the texas thing was just like a one-time deal um but now i'm i i do are in the plant uh maintenance and all that but i also do in the field servicing and and install so yeah i'm all over the state i mean i can be in miami one day and then jacksonville the very next are you more of like a contract worker? Like your company's like a contractor, like people no. hire you to come fix stuff? No, we're, um, I mean, we're a vendor and then we offer a, a service. Like okay. We'll sell you equipment, but we'll also, you know, when it breaks, we'll come and service it. Okay. So, okay. What is, what's the company called? Uh, Pro Plus Products. Pro Plus Products. Yeah. I heard of them. So in terms of, I'm trying to get my, wrap my mind. Yeah, me too. It's kinda, it's, it's so is hard. it like, do y'all make equipment and ship it out or like how does that work we, so we make like our, our main thing is we make liquid fertilizer okay so do you do a shit no no see and that's a common misconception man <laughs> I don't, every time every time you say like hey I, you know i work in the fertilizer and she's like oh so you, you play around shit all day that's like, a, no. that was my stereotype the, the stuff that we use is the same stuff that's in a daily vitamin that you take 
um, iron. So we're eating shit too. Shit. <laughs> it's, it's the raw minerals from the earth, and we're just taking them all together, put them in you know some water, and that's it. Okay. So basically, like for instance, if y'all have like metal shavings, y'all gonna like shave them down pretty much, get all the iron, the steel, the magnesium, and stuff, and then soak them in water over a period of time, and then create some natural fertilizer. Correct. It, I mean, it's a little more complicated than that, but I mean, yeah. In a way. Yeah. I mean, theoretically, yeah. <laughs> so where do you where do you put this fertilizer? Do you like spread them in pastures or dump them or no, what we, do you do? We mainly, uh, we're mainly golf course. Okay. Oh, okay. So a lot cool. of the golf courses that, you know, you guys probably know or have heard of, um, we, that, you know, mm-hmm. we, we service them. Um, and so, I mean, it's, it's awesome because like you, I have the opportunity to go and see all these courses that people talk about and dream about playing and all that. And, I'm there on the course, just like taking it all in. So when you go to a course, like what are you working on there? Like the equipment at the course? Uh, well, yeah, it's our equipment, um, like pumps, motors. Mm-hmm. Um, I also build um, control panels and stuff like that. So it's it's a whole array of things. Dude, believe it or not, I worked on a golf course for uh, one of my summer jobs in between semesters. And I loved it slash hated it. But damn, I didn't know you were doing this. I could have used your help a lot out there. We had yeah. no equipment. We had a greens mower. Dude, we used to mow the fairways with the uh, Dixie Chopper. Like, uh, zero turn. Not like, you know, like... You didn't, you didn't have that Toro sponsorship. Yeah, right? Toro. <laughs> <laughs> like, the nice stuff you have for golf courses. No, I'm out there on a zero turn, making sure it looks clean cut, getting yelled at if my line's a little off. Dude, it, was, it sucked, but... Dang, I didn't know that. Probably paid ten dollars to play there. Today. That's an expensive industry. <laughs> was it opium? Huh? Was it opium? Yeah, yeah. it's yeah. expensive industry. Oh yeah, definitely, um, definitely. I mean, the equipment that goes into just maintaining the grass and all that out there. Yeah, it's insane. Yeah. Do you work on Toros a lot? No, no. So that's that's where I defer that to that golf course's maintenance guys. You know, okay. I don't. I'm not getting tied up in all that. Those that's, things are expensive, man. And that's why I don't mess with them. They're like they're like thirty grand. Yeah. If you don't know what we're talking about, man, can you look it up? It's a Toro mower. It's like the ones, yeah. the ones they 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 drive on the fields with the big arms and stuff. Yeah, it's crazy. Have you ever been to Top Golf and that little ball collector guy? It's probably a Toro. Yeah, and they have like a little ball scoop and stuff. Obviously, there's different attachments Attachment for it. Yeah, but uh, hey, so speaking of equipment, and I might get some hate on this, but. Have you seen the tractor supply tractors out front? Like you go out to tractor supply or roll king and they have the little deals. So I was looking at one and I was like, you know, it'd be handy if I were doing some side jobs and I just had like a front end loader and then, um, and they had an attachment for a, uh, a mini hoe. Um, uh, I have no idea what you're talking about right now. So it, basically there's, how, how do I explain this? So there's a tractor and you know what a bucket is. Like, you know how the, Mm-hmm. You've got your joystick, so you have the bu- bucket up front. So that's you call that a front end loader. Okay. And so because you're loading stuff into something, um, <clears throat> and so I was looking at them, and there was one that had a front end loader on the front. It was cab tractor, and then it had a uh, mini hoe, which is basically you know the big excavators that's got the scoop basically, mm-hmm. and you're scooping stuff, and it had that attachment on the back. And they were wanting like thirty five thousand for it, and monthly payments was like three fifty, and I was like. I could do some stuff with this. Like, yeah, it's probably going to break down, but I could do some few little jobs with it. And I was like, and I feel like I can make my money back from the tractor pretty quickly. But you got that Toro pulled up for us. That thing's crazy looking. It looks like a robot. Yeah, I'm gonna drag it over here. It looks huge. You wouldn't work on that thing? No. Why? What do you mean? Why do you, you see play? all the moving parts on that? Like, 
I'm not afraid to take on a challenge, but. Yeah, but it's an expensive piece of equipment. That means it's going to be a high cost to fix it. And I will let the Toro <laughs> service department handle that one, buddy. <laughs> Plus, also, he's not, he doesn't work on golf course stuff. Like, it's what his company entails yeah. that uh, contracts it out. But, yeah. Dude, that and, thing's crazy. That is actually a fairway mower. Yeah, and I was mowing fairways with something that third the size of that. Yeah, you were using a greens mower, which is, like, the smaller one. Well, I was using a greens mower, like, on the actual greens, but, like, I was actually using, like, a yard mower on the fairways. Dude, fun, <laughs> Ratty shit. fun fact about these, though. So, like, when they do the PGA Tour and all that, there's going to be, like, eight of those. And yeah, staggered. they like, lined up. Yeah. They carry tennis balls. That what? way, if someone blows a hydraulic line... The guy behind oh, him throws yes. a tennis ball and gets his attention. And he just he peels off as quick as he can. That way he doesn't burn the grass. Yeah, I that, did that, see this, that. That looks like the most simple but effective system I've ever heard of. Wait, so like if the guy behind us, you sees you blew a line, you throw a tennis ball at him? Yeah, like the guy in front of you blows a hydraulic line. You can see it. He can't see it. So yeah. you grab your tennis ball and you throw it in front of him. And if he sees that being thrown in front of him, he knows like, oh, okay, that's me. Let get me hurry and get off the grass. And they'll go yeah. out there and paint the, the yeah. dead grass. And like they'll, have, they'll have the grass change out in like 20 minutes. That's crazy. Because the golfers are like on their way. Yeah. They're, they're going to the next hole. And all That's that. unreal. Yeah, I know all about hydraulic lakes. Uh, say, what if you <laughs> miss that tennis ball throw? Just, yeah, exactly. Well, like what if you overshoot it and then like the wrong guy's pulling off? Like I, I feel like there's a lot of room for error there, but I, Dude, there's a, I'm sure they know more about it. No, than they, they have that stuff down to a T up there yeah. in the Masters. There's a, there's a program at uh, Florida Gulf Coast now, university that has people – uh, training for golf course management. Yeah, it's like that big of an industry. agronomy and all that. Yeah. So mm-hmm. the, the guys that grow the, the turf in, you know, they they get onto a golf course. Their their new title is superintendent, and oh. their their sole job is like, oh, how much water is in my soil, and yeah, here's it's a what big I need industry. to put out. Yeah. How often do you have to meet with those kinds of guys with your fertilizer and stuff? Uh, I mean, if I do a job, um, I mean, chances are I'm going to have to talk to the guy. I, yeah. try, I try to like not bother him and just get in and get out. Yeah. But, doesn't always work out like that. Um, but, I mean, it's I'm usually on the road probably once every two weeks. What, is, what are some of the courses you've worked at? You said you've worked at these beautiful courses. I'm not into golf, so. Um, I, mean, I, don't, I don't know. I don't even know if I can name drop them. You just, you just know that. Yeah, you yeah. probably yeah. shouldn't yeah, I mean, say your clients. Yeah. Oh, it's so. okay. We, uh, we have to deal with that sometimes yeah. with our guests and want to stay away from it sometimes. Off the – Grid kind of things. It's cool though, man. I didn't know you worked at some of the cool places like that and everything. That's that's really cool. Yeah, I mean, it, it takes you a lot of places. Like I said, I, I get to see a lot of really cool things, uh, parts of the state that you, know, you really wouldn't see because a lot of these places Exclusive. are off the beaten path. Yeah, and so. that's kind of crazy to think that a trade school in Jacksonville led to that. You know, yeah. like the opportunity to do those kinds of things. Not a lot of people think about that. Yeah. Not a lot of people are open to different routes and opportunities to. Pursue cool passions. When I went to welding school, all of our instructors like, you know, you guys are nothing more than just dirtbag construction workers. Mm-hmm. And so, really, yeah, like I mean, it was it was their way of like toughening us up, I guess. But yeah. so, but a lot of the guys like took that to heart. So like, okay, there's nothing outside of welding other than like me going out in the oil field and just running beads on pipe. Like that's it. Do you think mm-hmm. it's kind of like a psychological tool those guys use to keep you in the industry? Maybe. I, I mean, I don't. I don't know. I think they just want to, like, they didn't want you to, like, hold yourself higher than any other trade or whatever. Because, I mean, honestly, at the end of the day, a lot of your welding jobs, you are nothing more than just a, a, a dirty construction worker. But a lot of those guys, they, you know, they didn't really explore, um, you know, 
they didn't try to see where welding could take them other than like the oil field. Not, now, don't get me wrong. Those guys in the oil field are making way more money than, you know, I could ever think of. <laughs> yeah. but, um, so, I mean, hats off to them. But I like the I, – I, there's no way I could have just done – I can't go to work and weld day in and day out. Same thing. I've got to have – yeah, I've got to have something changing. So, like, one day I'm doing in – a, in a whole day, I can go from, you know, wiring in lights – to, you know, running plumbing on some, like, three-inch PVC to doing hydraulic work or building a, uh, a deck, so. You at least picked a trade that you have different different uh, experiences with daily. You know, there's a big problem of, con- like, falling into complacency when you have to go in yeah. to work and do the same thing over and over, and you have to sit, fall, like, solve the same problem over yeah. and over like it gets it gets old it gets annoying it gets it gets frustrating but at least like you have freedom it sounds like to go in but all right well i gotta solve this problem today and do this problem like you do when you you're working uh in the cattle industry you have different problems every day you're not just uh, going out there messing with one issue over and over again yeah i tell people all the time um i have especially in the agriculture field and it sounds like you're kind of in the same boat is uh <clears throat> whenever you go into farming or ranching or whatever you have to be an electrician you have to be a mechanic you have to be um you know know your soil types you have to know your fertilizer practically a chemist at that point too and so there's so many things that get brought in a uh, one time and it never really surprises you what you see because especially with animals or equipment you'll find something new every day like in terms of things that like break and you've got to fix it or you things that you've never seen before and it's like how did this even happen yeah like i got uh i was telling brian about it. i had my work truck and uh and I was driving around the road. I was serping all the cows or molasses. It's basically like a feed. We feed the cows. And uh, I come home and I park my work truck in the driveway, come sit down. And I realize I had my tractor key in my pocket. So I get up, go put it back in my work truck. Well, when I pulled it out of my pocket, it fell down. So I went down and picked it up. I looked at my dually and uh, the, uh, the studs, every single stud was broke off where your lug nuts are that hold your tire except for one. And I was like, how on earth does it happen? Like these lug nuts didn't even just twist off, you know, for people that don't know what I'm talking about, when you change your tire, the nuts to hold their, your tire on. And, uh, and so every single one of the bolts were just broke off. How that happened? No idea. But there was one holding it on. That could have been a very bad situation. Was it a Monday? <laughs> so that's usually like when all, every, every piece of equipment that you have always yeah. breaks on a Monday or Friday at 4.30. Yes, like right, right before, before quitting yeah. time. Right yeah. before it's time to go home and relax on the weekend, you have some and last that's, that's when problem. you just like look at that you know, tractor or whatever you have right there. And you just go, well, you can wait till Monday. (laughs) It's 4.30 on a Friday. I'm out of here. I saw this the other day though. Like I was listening to a Marine talk and he was talking about how it's good for somebody to have different problems to solve. Yeah. Like over and over again, because it keeps your mind working, keeps you learning, keeps you on your toes. Like if you have to just keep solving the same thing, you like fall into like a complacency. Yeah, you just don't do anything. You're yeah. just like it's just no excitement, no no joy, no dopamine spike. Like right. well, at least when you have a problem to solve that's different over and over again, you come up with a new solution and you 
get your solution, you're going to have that dopamine spike. You're going to have that excitement, that thrill, yeah. that something. There's something about, like, for me, especially because, <clears throat> you know, I've been doing my job for a year and a half now. And so, like like I said, I've seen a lot of different stuff. And I know Jessica can probably attest to this, too. Whenever you find something, you fix it. You learn, okay, well, this worked, this didn't work. And then you come up with another, you know, problem later down the road. And we're like, okay, well, this is somewhat similar, whether it's, like, changing out a hub or, you know, something like that. And it comes up, and you're like, oh, okay, well, this worked this time and then whenever you get down the road and you do this several times all of a sudden you come to a problem that you see it a thousand times that you never would have thought you would have before and it just you rattle it off like that um it's a big thing on you got to learn from what works and what doesn't work and you can't be scared to fail sometimes you just got to do some risky stuff <laughs> that's that's a huge thing what you're talking about right there because I, a lot of people that are, you know if something's broke my thing is if it's broke what's the worst i can do like if i've never worked on it before yeah i'm just gonna break it more i mean yeah it's either I'm going to fix it or it's, just, it's still going to be broke. So I have nothing to lose here. But a lot of people are they're afraid to just jump into it and just start tearing stuff apart and trying to figure out how it works. But doing that where you just jump in going, okay, like, you know, what's the worst that can happen? You learn a lot of stuff. And it's like Nathan's mm-hmm. talking about, you know, you use that for, you know, future projects, future jobs and all that. You go, oh, wait, you know, this is pretty similar to, you know, that one time like two years ago where I just, yeah. I did, you know, I, I dove right into it and, so, um, I think, you know, taking that leap of faith and just convincing yourself like, hey, well, it can't get worse than this. Yeah. The big thing is just having confidence because I feel like a lot of people like when it comes to like fixing stuff, you're like, oh, I don't know what I'm doing and this and that. Okay. Well, Hey, here's an idea. Try to learn it or like, just, just be confident in yourself and be like, okay, well, I'll, like, I'll just put it back how I found it. Even if it's still broke, like it's still going to be broke. Um, and I feel like a lot of times people just get so nervous and it's like, oh, well I have to fix it. I have to, you know, succumb to the pressure or whatever. It's just like go in there with confidence and just be like, Hey, I don't know what I'm doing, but we're going to figure it out. Like, yeah, probably, probably like a month or so ago. Um, Haley called me. Um, and she's your wife. Doing, yeah. My wife. And she was doing laundry, and she's like, hey, the, the dryer's doing something crazy. Like, it's it's shaking the whole floor and all that. And I'm like, okay, I'll check it out again. Well, sure enough, the dryer was doing some crazy stuff. <laughs> well, Haley was, you know, she was going to go uh, take all the laundry to, like, a laundromat. And all that. I'm like, no, no, I'm I'm not putting stuff in bins and then taking it out of bins and folding it. No, no. I'm a maintenance tech. <laughs> I damn have, it. I have I'm luxury. going to fix this. <laughs> yeah. And so, luckily enough, I got off work uh, at, like, for whatever reason, I got I had like a half day, and so I got home, got my tool bag, and I just I dove right in that dryer. It ended up being like a button. A button got stuck in the wrong place. But let me tell you something. <laughs> I made sure Haley knew like everything I was you going sorted. into. I'm, I'm taking pictures. Like I got lint all over me, and I'm just like, see, you see, <laughs> you showed <laughs> like, your dominance. Yeah, you showed it that you were a man. I tackled this dryer. Yes, you did, and I fixed it. I am man. Yes, no. <laughs> yes, and that's the feeling that you get when you do stuff like that. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, you get this sense of like accomplishment, and pride, that- and like for for. Probably a few hours after you get done with that thing, no one can tell you anything. That tribal sense. <laughs> like, yeah, I did that. I did that shit. Yeah, yeah I was actually having a conversation uh, with one of our friends, and it was a girl. And they were talking about, like, you know, in terms of a relationship, and it's like, oh, I feel like I'm just nagging uh, my significant other and be like, well, you know, can you do this? Can you do this? Or whatever. And I feel like with a man, a man wants to feel, like, wanted. And so in terms of, like, hey, even if the woman could be like, be like, hey, I can hang this picture on my own, but it'd be like, hey, would you mind, you know, 
helping me hang this picture. And it's not necessarily like you're nagging at them, but maybe be like, try to do it yourself and be like, Hey, would you mind giving me a hand? And then, you know, go after it. But I feel like it's a big time, like in a relationship, if a woman's always nagging about something, maybe just be like, Hey babe, like, Hey, can you, can you do this for me? Yeah, I'm a man. I can fix this shit. I, I, I have that problem. I don't, nobody i don't get that problem like i always get asked to do shit (laughs) 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 like i I don't like i have to do it like i always get asked so i'm always like getting that oh yeah i did it kind of feeling i like it i like it i like tackling accomplishments yeah brian's a handy mandy now (laughs) no not necessarily i I can change out a tire in like five seconds thank you Uh, at a racetrack at like nine o'clock actually no it was like 11 yeah what a guy yeah dude no this is he what a guy right here so a little bit about that story i was uh my girlfriend had a flat tire at a racetrack and i was changing it on like you know the tire changing kits like little tiny jack all that kind of great great stuff um and I put it on where Kia had their jack plate. So I thought, and the jack plate just rips off the side of the car, like just bends and the jack falls and car is on concrete at this racetrack. I'm like, on the axle. Yeah. Like, Mm. yeah. I'm like, son of a bitch. So the only person I knew that was close enough that actually might be able to help me was Justin at industrial maintenance tech. And I was like, he could probably help me out. Well, at that time, I got consumed with that feeling that we were talking about earlier, that manlyhood yeah. of, like, I got this shit. Yeah. Like, I, I, I am man. So I lifted that car up off of the uh, ground, and I used my foot. I got it up off the ground just enough to use my foot to slide that jack back underneath the car on, like, back on top of it. And I, I had that feeling of I am man and I accomplished it. But Justin got out of bed at 9.30 to come help me out. And by the time he got there, I already figured it out. And I felt bad. Let me get this straight. You picked up a Kia? <laughs> yeah. Believe it or not, I got a Kia off the ground. He was bench pressing by the time I got there. So. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying, to rem- I'm trying to picture Brian just lifting a Kia and putting a jack underneath it. <laughs> like, you didn't have anybody, like, help you? You just picked up a Kia. It was like, so the, the back end of the car was sitting, like, on the task. So it's, it wasn't like all its weight was still evenly distributed. It's not like the whole car's weight was just there. Like it still was still had enough. It just dropped like a little bit, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. It, it yeah. I got race. it, dude. I got it off the ground. I can go do, I can go take the car. I can go pull the racetrack security camera footage. That's yeah. fine. I'm just like, I'm not saying I'm calling you a liar or anything. I'm just trying to picture you <laughs> picking up a Kia. I had a vein <laughs> at my neck that was like four inches sticking just for out. Reference, of the, the average weight of a Kia is 3,525 pounds. I can deadlift 3,520 pounds. <laughs> Bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> I swear, dude, I lifted it's, that It's thing. not on the books yet, but I mean, we'll get we that, get that footage. I'm going to get okay. that footage. Yeah. Yeah. Is it because, uh, they probably wiped it by now. Damn it. I don't know. Yeah. I sw- we'll convenient. do it. We're going yeah. back to my How house. Convenient. After this, we're going to take the tire off Reagan's car, set it down, and I'm going to lift it. And then y'all can put the tire back on so we can sell this. Okay. Okay. Speaking of changing <laughs> tires, bro, half-inch impacts. Yes. What a lifesaver, huh? Oh, uh, I don't. I had, you know, the three-quarter air and the half-inch air impacts and all that. I got my half-inch DeWalt impact at work, and you cannot stop me. <laughs> I will go disassemble, the like, the Empire State Building for that thing. So Give for, me that and, like, three batteries. So for people um, that don't know what an impact is, basically, if you ever seen, like, NASCAR and the, like, pit crews, and they go, like, dun, 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 
and then they take the tire off. So those are air impacts. Now they have uh, Milwaukee. I have a Milwaukee one, um, but Milwaukee makes them. Dewalt, uh, Ryobi, you know, all the big name power tools have theirs. Um, and uh, yeah, you can show a picture of it real quick. Um, yeah, I'll pull it up. But in terms of these these impact, they basically just run off these you know little battery packs your typical power tool but the amount of torque that comes behind these guns you can take semi-trailer tires off like it's nothing like you just squeeze that trigger uh that's a driver put in uh just half inch impact milwaukee um huh but i technology yeah i picked one up dude it is unbelievable i mean any kind of low boy trailer like it's i will break the lug before anything like if it's stuck on there i'm either breaking the bolt or i'm taking the lug nut off because it's taking something off i mean it's funny you say that yeah it, i have that one right there yeah there. That's, like, that's like a thousand foot pounds of torque yeah it's is is huge <laughs> i like how y'all are both just marveling over dude these drills these power tools are unreal man um I wish I would have had that one that night when I was changing Reagan's tire. I had an yeah, old. Yeah, you have the tire off like five seconds. Oh, yeah. yeah, I had that old like hand crank thing. That That's thing, my baby. Right like there. man torque. Yeah. It was, I had like. Just pure raw power. 250 pounds of torque on that thing. <laughs> Putting 30 pounds of pressure plus my weight on it. Yeah, and that 3,000 pound deadlift you got. Okay. I got it, dude. I'm telling you. <laughs> bro, we're going to get that racetrack footage for this. So so are you a, uh, are you a D-Walt guy or? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, I've used Milwaukee's and all that. It's just Milwaukee's typically out of my price range. Uh, now, granted, I mean, you get what you pay for. Yeah. Like, in my opinion, Milwaukee's going to be better than a DeWalt, but DeWalt handles everything pretty fine for me. Yeah. I mean, everything I'm getting involved in. My big know. thing is, um, which DeWalt and uh, – or DeWalt, DeWalt, however you want to say it um, – and Milwaukee are very similar. The only thing is, I feel like with Milwaukee, they have – Everything is compatible with anything um, in terms of like they have packouts, which are like boxes and drawers and you can stack them and customize anything you want. And there's tons of companies that make like accessories for your deal. So for instance, like I've got the big packout box um, and I have dividers and I have everything. It's, it's super cool how they make it where whatever you want, you can customize it. Like there's these box trucks that you walk into and they've got all these shelves, all these workspaces, and it's just, everything's organizable. You can just unclip, pull it out, go to your job, come back in, throw it back in. It's, it's top notch stuff. You're on a, you're on a tool rant right now, dude, Milwaukee. (laughs) It is expensive as hell, but if you just do it a little bit at a time, you and I know. Mean, they, it's not even just tools. It's like, um, I mean, uh, it's, it's going to be a tool, but they have battery-powered uh, wheelbarrows now. Yeah. Uh, and then, like, coolers and all that. Yeah. They've got coolers. They've got, like, transfer pumps. So, for instance, like, they make this long rod where you can stick into a puddle, squeeze a trigger, and it will shoot water out the other end. So huh. you can, like, suck water out of a hole if you need to. It's cool. It's like, and then I know Ryobi, or not Ryobi, uh, Makita, they make a coffee maker, like a battery-powered yeah, coffee yeah. maker, where you can just put your little 12-volt battery on there. And, uh, and That's it's just, handy at the job site. Yeah. yeah. I really want a Milwaukee one, but they don't make them yet. They'll get there. They'll do something. You, you go to a job site, man, like everything's running off of this same battery. So yeah. Like, you're talking about like the Milwaukee batteries and all that. I mean, every everything, every tool that you see, coffee makers, yeah, everything's running off that battery. It's, it, I mean, the innovation there's insane. Yeah, no, I, I mean, you got to think back in the day, everyone was running extension cords everywhere, yeah. and you had to bring a generator, generators. Or something like that. 
it's already loud as uh, loud as it is. Um, I actually seen a guy with these uh, with these Milwaukee batteries or Dewalt batteries. They've taken it and jump started a vehicle with them. Huh. Like you take you can take two wires and put them into the probes of the battery and jump starts your car to the twelve volt. Where I put that test. Look it up. There's a video. With the key. Jump, jump start yes. uh, with the key. vehicle with a Milwaukee battery. Do <laughs> <laughs> what? What you say? <laughs> you didn't hear him? No. He said when you said that. You we're could... we're going to try this out on the key. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Handy Mandy go. over here deadlifting 3,000 pounds. Ryan's going to hold it up for oh us. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I swear. Do you think it's a big enough challenge for you to take the battery out. Can you think you can handle that? Is it too heavy for you? Or taking you, a battery out of a yeah. car? I've had, dude, I drove an O3 Ranger for like 10 years. Uh, the amount of times I had to change the battery out of that truck. I think I got it down. I so can, it's, 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 so it's pretty much too light for you. It's no 3000 pounds. No, right I can there. get it out there. one <laughs> It's not even a challenge. I mean, you, you basically curl it. I don't think, I don't think any man has a problem. Any man has a problem taking a, Car battery out of the truck, guys. But lifting a Kia. Oh That's- my god! <laughs> You're never gonna lift that. Down. I know, but like I, you were there. You can attest. I know. Here we go. Check it out. It was back on the jack. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are the car. Those are the little. So tiny those, batteries those are the batteries with that Milwaukee logo on there. Gotta get that in there. Fast forward a little bit. Yeah, you can skip ahead. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see him actually hook this car and turn it on with this little tiny battery. It's eleven minutes. Yeah, just skip my head. Uh, Do you watch these kinds of videos in your spare time, guys? No. Oh, I'm a certified YouTube mechanic for sure. So you've actually probably ran into this problem. Yeah. So he ran in, he ran the probes in. Huh. I don't know. Well, that's his program reader. Well, he's got two of them. He said. No, there's just that one. That battery right there would be drained in no time. Oh yeah. So I mean, I don't see how it's jump starting it. It's not on. Let's see him turn this car on with this battery. I want to see it, the car actually turn on. I'm still explaining. That's a jump box, dude. That's not. Well, he's got a jump box on there. No, there's one that he can do it anyways. Uh-huh. I believe you. Just like y'all should believe me with my Kia experience. But no. <laughs> Go ahead. Brian. I think this is a good time to get into our snap questions with Mr. Lyle to get away from the, you know, the blue collar talk and get a little bit more about his personality. Yeah, definitely. Um we ask everybody on every episode, um, if you could have three people out to dinner that are alive, who would your three people be? Uh and I've seen this. I've seen you guys do this. And I, I thought long and hard about this. And I've only, I only have two. And like, it's, it's two ends of the spectrum. So I think JFK. Hmm. Okay. Really? There's a lot. Yes. I mean, there's a lot of. Lots of conspiracy behind yeah, a lot that of deal conspiracy. too. Did you ask him about secrets. Maryland? Yeah. Maryland. Uh, like the, the underground tunnels and all that under the White House and stuff like that. Yeah. I think, I think that'd be interesting. Uh, and then two, Morgan Freeman. Okay. Right. We haven't had yes. him yet. He's good. Yeah. Yeah. Very theological. It would be a very soothing conversation. Yes, it would. And like, I feel like, you know, Morgan Freeman has the answers to everything in the world. If Morgan Freeman could read me a bedtime story every night, I would have no problem sleeping. That man, like, have you? His voice is just. Need to if you have problems sleeping, you need to turn on the cosmos that he like narrates, where he like talks about what humanity's found out in outer space. I think it puts you sleep like five minutes. Oh, it's it's so soothing. I don't think that's Morgan Freeman. Yeah, it is. I swear. Neil deGrasse Tyson. 
Like, I, well, I think Morgan <laughs> Morgan Freeman, I think, did like a few he clips did, of it or he something. He did like a he did like a universe thing. I remember it's not Neil deGrasse Tyson's Morgan Freeman. It's got to be racist. No, it, no, it's not. <laughs> what are you trying to say here? Look it up. <laughs> Look it up. Gosh, trying to get us canceled, dropping that word, the R word. Uh, no, it's it definitely Morgan Freeman into the cosmos. No, you got to put on uh, Morgan Freeman. Um, what's it, what's the show? Life or Planet? Earth or whatever. That's what I'm talking about. That's well, that's the sh- that's planet Earth. No, he does this outer space <laughs> one too. Anyways, who's your third? Who's your third? Uh, the third's gonna be hard, man. I I, can't, I really can't think of like a third. Like I think those two right there would. That's it. Yeah, that would suffice. You're the third. That would suffice. That's good. Honestly, like, can I have the dinner with them at the same time? Like, JFK, well, yeah, that's, that's, that's yeah, the, that's no, the, yeah, oh, that's okay. the whole right. deal. Well, like. Yeah, it'd be you. So the whole point of the question, it's like you and your three guests sit down and have dinner together. Okay. And so they're just talking about everything. JFK and Morgan Freeman. That's right. There. That's good. that's going to carry over. Is Haley invited? Haley can be the third. Okay. There we go. <laughs> the I feel like Haley's going to have a lot of input and like a lot of questions. So I just sit there and be quiet and let those two go at it. Yeah. Yeah. The conspiracies and the movies they come up with. Yeah. What's your take on the uh, conspiracy theory with JFK? You think uh, because there's a lot of people that say he was shot inside the vehicle. So I, I think it was an inside job. Oh, that, the I CIA mean, definitely did it. Okay, but so you have what was it, uh, Lee Harvey Oswald is the yeah. one that shot him. Mm-hmm. Well, then Jack Ruby was a, a, a mafia member or whatever. Mm-hmm. Well, right before Lee Harvey Oswald got sentenced, Jack Ruby shot him and all that. Well, then, coincidentally, Jack, Jack Ruby gets had shot. cancer. <laughs> he <laughs> dies. There's a whole chain of people get shot until he reached, like, you know, the, the final guy. But, no, Jack Ruby had cancer. Hmm. And so, like, he, he died. Like, it's quick. all an inside job. I think the CIA put out some papers about it uh, when they uh, – did a big like information release a while back and like it wasn't they weren't like out about it they just kind of like hid it in there underneath all the other files they released but they had like some kind of influence around it because yeah. he was like threatening to expose something to do with ufos that's pretty big um especially now Jeez. yeah um and of course like apparently you told maryland about like some government secrets regarding seek like ufos and the enemy mm. stuff and yeah, it was time. Apparently, it was time to take him out. That's sure. what the CIA thought. You know, uh, I just heard something in, uh, very interesting, and it, it's not political. It's just the facts of what was uh, released in a press conference. But you know how Hunter Biden has been in kind of some heat, and a lot of people like talk about some of the things that he was may or may not have been involved in. Well, apparently, they were um, allegedly. Yeah, uh, they were talking to the uh, the head of the FBI. And they were talking to him or whatever, and they said, where is Hunter Biden's laptop? Because they confiscated it. Like, they had it, and they had it in evidence. They have no idea where this laptop it's is. All, it's called crooked, man. It's like, the, the head of the FBI on this case, no clue. Wiped from evidence, no idea where it went. <laughs> is that not wild? Like... That's got to be an inside yeah, job. You don't just it. lose yeah. that big of a piece of an evidence. Especially if it's like damning evidence. Like, I, I think that that, like, that situation's happened in multiple Oh, scenarios. multiple presidents have done it. You know, yeah. Oh, where'd that go? Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. the day before 9-11, they, the government lost like $3 trillion. And then I've heard happened. about that. I don't want to talk about 9-11. That gets, that, that's yeah. just like some... 
I don't know who did it. Who I mean, we all know who did it, who planned it, who the scapegoat was. But there's a lot of weird stuff surrounding that with insurance money and then like building yeah. seven, like doesn't get hit by anything, doesn't mm. doesn't like and just falls out of nowhere in the same day in New York. Like it's weird. It's yeah. just weird. And it's it's stuff that we like. We'll, we'll never, never know. know. We'll, we'll never, know. never know. Yeah. We'll never know what truly happened in those. And that's goes for the JFK stuff goes for all of the conspiracy theories out there. It's kind of weird, man. I got one that I've been brewing in my own head. Like every time that we talk about conspiracy theories, nothing on YouTube, no views, no, like no shorts. Like our shorts have been doing good on YouTube. Like we've, we've been getting like, you know, 2000, 3000 views here. We have little spikes there. But if you post something, if like you can go look at it, our video sh- uh, views, like if we post something with a conspiracy theory on it, nothing. Hmm. nothing like no push no little spike like literally we posted one a couple weeks ago about the epstein stuff mm-hmm. right it's like three views and then two videos before that have nothing to do with conspiracy theories um it's like two thousand views three thousand views it's like hmm. weird yeah. very strange right i think it's because people get like sketched out when you start talking about conspiracy theories and them. all that I love them because, like, they they look at you like a flat earther or something like that. And they're like, you know, what's this guy going on about? But call me a kook. <laughs> no, I'm with you. I'm with you. I love it. You want to take the next one? You got it. Just make okay. one up. Yeah. So, <laughs> if somebody gave you a hundred thousand dollars, what would you do with it, dude? The real estate market is horrible right now. Yeah. So that hundred thousand dollars would go straight into buying a house. Well, okay. No question about it. Yeah. And that way, you know. It's not going to pay for the full thing, but... Just be a good down payment. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be a considerable down payment. I mean, I, I you know, I might keep like 20 grand for something else, but I would definitely... That would be my number one move because living in Florida and trying to buy a house in, in Central Florida right now... Oh, my God. It's terrible. Yeah. yeah. It's terrible. <laughs> yeah. You got to save that uh, that extra 20 grand for uh, Nathan Jr. Oh, yeah. Because uh, <laughs> I told... Or Justin told me he was going to name his kid after me. I don't think it's true, but... It's it's crazy because apparently my, my son has, like, multiple fathers. Everyone's like, oh, yeah, that's uh, that's Jacob Jr. right there. That's, yeah, Nathan <laughs> Jr. and all that. But, no, I've, I've also... You know, everyone I've run into, I'm like, well, you know, we named him after you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what Is that our, what you open with? One of our uh, buddies, John, we were sitting there and we were talking about it. And, uh, and we were like, yeah. Nathan John Lyle and Justin looks at me. He's like, "It's a pretty good name, actually." <laughs> I was like, "See, yep, he comes out. It's Nathan John." See, that's a yeah, that's a good you know perspective for you. A good question for you too, because you have a kid coming. Yeah, and that's like you know, there's a lot of people that say, "Oh, we invest it, we invest it," but like that would be truly investing in yourself, like yeah. setting yourself up, setting your family up. That, that's buying a, a home. Buying a home is, I mean, it's it's a necessity in life. Um, you know, I don't, I don't want to rent and then have Haley and then my son and all that and worry about paying rent on time. I want to be able to, you know, have a house that I'm working to pay off. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where at the, you know, when I'm 50 or something, I'm like, hey, I don't this have any mine. payments coming out. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, but, You'll find it, dude. You'll get yeah, there. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm not, I'm not losing hope or anything. It's just um, now we we have Brooks on the way. Yeah. And so it's like, okay, well, let's let's you know. We're setting money aside for that, um, like Haley's maternity leave and all that, and there's a lot on me right now. But no, I, I get you know, it. Like I thrive in these conditions. Like you put me under a bunch of stress, I'm going to perform. Good. So, yeah, that's what you got to have. 
It goes back to that uh, the blue collar lifestyle where it's like, man, you got to put food on the table. It doesn't uh, doesn't matter if you're tired or or irritated or whatever. You got to get up and go to work and and make the grind. It's part about being a man, and so many people basically say like, yeah, you know, men don't open up or this and that. Well, you know, sometimes nobody really cares. You just got to get up and do what you got to do. I mean, as as much as it sucks, it's part about being a man. You got to provide for your family and do it. Yeah, you got people counting on you, man. Yeah. I, I'm glad you brought that point up because that kind of goes into our next question. Justin, we've been asking this one kind of as of recently. Um, you know, Nate's asked it. He's better, probably better explaining it than I am. But if you could, you know, be remembered by something, like remembered one way after if you passed away tomorrow, what would that, what would your memory be? Like, what would you like it to be? What would you want your legacy to be? There you go. He was, he was, an, you know, accountable. Mm-hmm. Like if I needed help, he was there. Okay. That's that's my number one thing. I love helping people out. Um, you know, I keep a plug kit in the toolbox. You know, if someone's got a flat tire, <laughs> I'm pulling over. I'm going to help you out and all that. So I love helping people out any way I can. And so, like, to be remembered as the guy that was always there and someone that, you know, a person could rely on, that's what that's huge to me. So that's that's what I'd want it to be. Definitely. And that ties into your job. You know, they have to rely on you to make sure everything's fixed. You got to, you know, rely on Justin to make sure whenever a semi is going down the road that all his tires are on tight and torqued down to the right specs and uh, not going to blow anything left and right. But I can promise you that Mr. Justin Lyle, the person that got him and his pregnant wife out of bed at 945 at night, or probably later than that, to come help me try to change a tire, you always be remembered as guy that i can count on you always be reliable in my opinion i love it well justin um a cool thing that we do every episode is we follow back every single one of our guests on our instagram page and so do you want to shout out any of your social media well, that's funny about me. I don't have any social media, so I'm, I'm, I'm an old man. So <laughs> yeah, that's not our first guest that had. No, we've, we've had, had a couple guest. of that, Dom. Yeah. Um, but if y'all want to get in contact with Justin, if you're in Central Florida and got a spare tire that needs to be changed, uh, DM us and we'll put you in contact with Justin. Or a welding job, yeah. side welding job. I've exactly. got you, man. I'm here to help. Yeah. <laughs> but and our socials are rule. One podcast. We are on YouTube, Instagram, basically anything you can think of. We're on it. Yeah, so. come see, come check us out. Hit that like and subscribe button. It keeps helping us grow. You know, we're growing slowly but surely, bud. Yeah, we're ready for time. Ep- we're ready for episode forty next week. Thirty-eight. Yeah. Oh my God, forty. Forty. Right. Yeah. Wow. So we'll see y'all next week. Peace.